Welcome to Sky's the Limit with your host, yours truly, Sky Estroff. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sky's the Limit podcast. So excited to have y'all here because I'm so excited. Today, I have the CEO and president of the National Peanut Board, Ryan LaPCier. He is I've just been counting down for this guest because not only are we going to be talking about peanuts, but we're going to break down all of the biggest 2024 food trends and how peanuts are at the center of them all. It's just going to be a great conversation. I am so thrilled. So thank you for joining me on today's episode, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here and can't wait to talk with you about peanuts. I'm ready to pick your brain about it because I feel like if I were to like go to an encyclopedia of peanuts, it wouldn't be as knowledgeable as you. You've been working with peanuts for, this isn't your first rodeo with peanuts, this outpost. No, no, no. I am, um, been in the peanut business for over 15 years. In fact, I worked at the National Peanut Board already as the chief marketing officer most recently. So, um, I've been around the peanut business for a long time. This is just a new role for me here at the board. Yeah, and it's a big one, but it's it's cool because that marketing brain gives you so much background knowledge and just like a way to enhance peanuts around the world and just make it exciting for people to be eating peanuts in different forms. And it's just the innovation in the peanut industry right now is it's astounding. So it's really cool that you're in this moment in time taking on the CEO and president role. Yeah, I'm so happy for the opportunity. It's pretty awesome. Okay. Well, to get you started, I told you I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to ask you any questions that you don't know the answers to, but I do have a little warm up for you. I know from doing some research, perhaps reading your bio, that um, your preferred peanut butter or your peanut preference of peanut butter is crunchy peanut butter on a spoon straight from the jar, right? Or has that changed in recent weeks? No, I love just a spoonful of peanut butter right out of the jar. It's quick to eat on the go. You just throw the spoon in the sink when you're done. You can clean it later. But I do like the crunchy peanut butter. I mean, I'll, I'll take creamy, but I, there's something about the crunch that, that I prefer over the, the, the creamy or smooth peanut butter. I get it. I'm right there with you. I'm a crunchy peanut butter gal all the way. And I think... Because we know that preference, we're going to warm up with a couple of this or that of other peanut butter preferences. Are you ready? Okay, I'm game. All right. Yeah, go for it. All right. Are you team peanut M&M or peanut butter M&M? I love both, but if I had to choose, peanut M&M. Okay. Yeah, go back to that texture. That's what you're here for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, PB&J or peanut butter and banana? Peanut butter and banana, and I'll put a little honey on it too. Ooh, step it up. Okay. You're pretty much getting gourmet with it. I love that. <laughs> um, all right. And finally, roasted peanuts or boiled peanuts? Roasted. I didn't grow up in the South, and boiled peanuts are very Southern. I do eat them, and I do have come to appreciate them, but it's not like in my DNA like it is for a, a true Southerner. So I grew up in Southern California. I came to Atlanta uh, about 23 years ago, and so I think I'm kind of like a <clears throat> halfway Southerner, but I really have that California half too. So, you know, we grew up eating 
um, mostly what I remember is ballpark peanuts, like going to the Dodger baseball yes. games and getting peanuts and with my dad and my family. And, and that was like kind of a, other than PB and J, but mine was always peanut butter and honey with banana, even as a kid. That's my second memory of peanuts. And then, um, I don't really have a memory about like roasted peanuts, but I guess, you know, those, those in shell peanuts are, are roasted. So that would be it. Yeah. I think that counts. I'll, I'll give it accounting check mark there for roasted peanuts and ballpark peanuts. But I totally understand that because I grew up in the South and like boiled peanuts to me is synonymous with sitting on the beach in the summertime. And that's what you shell while you sit out. But I feel like growing up in California, had you even heard of a boiled peanut? It's such a regional delicacy. I had not. And when I first tried them, I thought, wow, this tastes kind of like a bean. But then I realized, you know, peanuts are legumes. And so the, the beaniness of a boiled peanut, I think, comes from that, that legume, um, that peanuts are from the legume family. But I think I love about boiled peanuts is that so many people like have their recipe or their way to do it. And, and, um, they're really passionate about it. And, so now I've come to appreciate them for the cultural, southern, kind of iconic food item that they are. Totally. Everybody has their personal spin or their personal identity tied to some sort of peanut story, whether it's a peanut butter and jelly growing up or a peanut butter and honey and banana or the boiled peanuts that I grew up eating. So I completely agree with that. I also would love to hear more about your journey from growing up into your career, going from marketing into now this role as president and CEO of the peanut board. Um, I, I want to hear more about this unique story and growing up in California and everything. So start us out. Where did you begin? Okay. okay. I grew up in Southern California in a little town called Whittier in LA County, but almost into Orange County. Okay. And we were about half hour from the beach and my parents were like beach bums. We were every weekend at the beach. Huntington Beach was one of our favorites, and I learned how to um, bodyboard and then surf there. My dad would take us out into the ocean and, and teach us, and it was just fun and and family time. And um, when I went to college, I decided I wanted to leave home, so I went to the University of Oregon and studied journalism and communications. And I had family like maybe two hours from where the university is in Eugene, Oregon, yeah. so I had like that safety net, but I had the freedom to kind of have my own life, and then. I was really interested in um, telling stories, and so I decided to um, pursue uh, my, my first part of my career. I did TV news as a reporter and news anchor, awesome. and um, eventually I just kind of got sick of knocking on doors of some family who's something tragic happened to their child. So I kind of segued, and I was still using video and TV to tell stories, but was producing some documentary films. And um, then I moved to Atlanta, and... My canvas was wide open, and I ended up going to work in the city of Atlanta's mayor's office, um, worked for Mayor Shirley Franklin as part awesome. of her communication team. And when it she couldn't be reelected, I thought, I don't know if the next mayor is going to want me, or I don't know if I'm going to want to work for them, so I should start looking. And I saw this gig at the National Peanut Board. I'm like, National Peanut Board? What's that? I, like, I love peanuts. Like, Let me find out more about this. And so they hired me as a communications manager, and the rest is history. I have worked my way up over the years from... Um, being a communications manager to um, VP of marketing and communications, then SVP of marketing and communications, then chief marketing officer. 
And so when our longtime CEO announced he was going to retire a few years ago at the end of 23, I thought, maybe I want to do that job. I, I can do that job. And I really just had to figure out, like, can I help the board get better, reach new heights? Can I help them to continue solving problems and taking advantage of opportunities? And as I really got into it, I realized that, yeah, I can do this. I got this. Yeah. You do got this. This is exciting. Well, and especially working with the National Peanut Board for the past 15 years. And I think all of that experience just compounds to make you absolutely ready. I don't know if you have enough caffeine in your system to be ready for this like whirlwind of the job, but it's just, are, are you a coffee drinker yourself? Do you put peanut milk in your coffee or you just drink it black or how's your caffeine consumption? <laughs> I'm, I do black coffee. I do like cream in it, but I've just gotten accustomed to drinking it black. Yeah. But um, I limit myself to two cups per day, and I generally drink those in the morning just to kind of control the caffeine intake, you know. Yeah. Um, I have put peanut milk in my coffee. We don't have a commercially available peanut milk right now on the market, but we're working on one. So that's sneak peek about something that's coming out in the pipeline, hopefully later this year. Wait, that's so cool. Okay. That leads into this whole food trend conversation because I want to know about like what products we can expect and all of that too. But um, I'm glad that you say that you drink coffee though, because the people that tell me that they don't or don't drink caffeine in general, give me a little scare. Like I, I, it's, it's hard to have a really high powered job and not have any caffeine in your system. So, I'm afraid of what would happen if I drink too much. Yeah, we'll keep it to that responsible two cup limit. I, I'm here for that, but um, I, I'm glad that you're getting something in. Do you want a dentist that actually spends time getting to know you and your needs? A practice that not only provides regular cleanings, but also excels in straightening teeth, replacing missing teeth, and helping highly anxious patients? Peach Dental is a family-owned practice that does just that. If you're looking for an elevated dental experience, join me at Peach Dental. It's where I go to keep my teeth healthy. Dr. Resnick is offering a special discount for Sky's the Limit listeners. Get 15% off teeth whitening and a 10% discount off of their office membership plan. Visit peachdentalatl.com to learn more and book your appointment. Again, that's peachdentalatl.com. Um, okay, so that leads in to our 2024 food trends and predictions conversation because I'm really attached to this conversation. I, I share food trends on, um, local news in Atlanta. Luckily, I get to like just do the fun segments on TV and I don't have to do the like sad stuff with it. You know, there's always that balance of it, but, um, I, I just think it's really interesting to see what we predict at this point in the year and then what comes to fruition as we keep going. What the consumers are attaching to is really what resonates as a trend and what we think. So I know for you, like where does this trend inspo come from? Is it going to events or is it just tracking consumers' habits or how are you kind of compiling this information? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of it is events. So I attend several big um, food trade shows every year. So one is called Winter Fancy Food, um, hosted by the Specialty Food Association. Then they have Summer Fancy Food. And then there's a big show called Natural Products Expo West. And so we actually showcase innovative and different new 
um, peanut products at these shows. We partner with brands and invite them to showcase their, their products at our exhibit. So, you know, I'm out on the floor talking to brand owners about their peanut products, you know, what they're seeing. And then in combination with um, some tools that we have to track new products so we can pull up a database and search peanut or peanut butter and see all of the new products in the United States or Canada or anywhere in the world. And so I really use that in-person kind of time with brand owners and seeing what's out there at some of these shows, along with the data that we're able to pull and kind of let those two things come together to kind of inform my point of view on what the trends are. I like that. And I think that's such a smart approach because a lot of times marketers are exclusively data driven. And I I mean, again, this is not like a, a poll from every single marketer in the country, but sometimes data exclusively drives these results. But I think having that FaceTime and that real in-person connection with people in combination with data is, in my marketing brain and opinion, the most ideal way to really get your grasp on what's trending. I think that's awesome that that's your your go-to. So I come up with a list every year toward the end of the year um, of my sort of six product innovation trends to look out for, like in terms of peanuts. And so, you know, once I've digested the in-person and then the data, I kind of let my list come together. And then I share this information, you know, like at industry meetings, um, through our communications with our stakeholders. And um, it kind of paints a really nice picture of where we're at in terms of innovation. Product innovation is important. Our brand, our products, peanuts, like snack peanuts and peanut butter are in very mature product categories, right? So if we don't have innovation, we're not going to be relevant to the consumer. The consumer needs something fresh and new and exciting to continue to want to consume your products. So that's why product innovation is important to us at the National Peanut Board and the farmers that we represent. So this list is compiled, ready to go, ready to present. Like, do you have these six trends and predictions that you could share with us today? Yeah, do you want me to just list all six and then you can pick one that you want to talk about or two? Yeah, list them out and we'll go from there. And then I have some ins and outs that I wanted to ask you about too afterwards. Okay. So Ryan LaPCA's six product innovation trends to watch. Number one, protein-packed snacks. Number two, brand extension and collaborations. Number three, nostalgia for PB&J. Number four, sauces are hot. Number five, infusing world flavors. Number six, don't skip breakfast. Okay. I am very interested in all of these trends. Some of these overlap with some of the ins and outs that I was going to ask you about too. I think let's start with nostalgia for the PB&J because I'm seeing nostalgia coming up in my like trend reporting across lots of things like even dessert nostalgia, people liking the vintage look of desserts and diner desserts and even cakes with really frilly icing and stuff. That's all coming back. So how does um, nostalgia come into play for that peanut butter and PB&J? I really think this whole nostalgia trend that, as you said, extends beyond just PB&J, but in other areas like desserts, really points back to comfort, right? Comfort food, is nostalgic and we've been through a rough patch these last three, four years, right? You know, everybody's looking Mm -hmm. for that 
kind of stability and the emotional um, uh, warmth that comfort food gives us. And PB&J delivers on that perfectly because many of us remember it from the happy times of childhood or, um, you know, spending the weekend with our grandparents and, you know, grandma always had her certain way of making the PB&J that was a little different than mom or dad, right? And yes. it just brings back that crust on or crust yeah. off. You never, yeah, yeah that emotional, emotional warmth. I think of peanut butter like as a blanket of like emotional warmth, you know, it's just this wonderful thing. And, and so we're seeing lots of products in this space, everything from like, um, like handheld, like almost like a take on a PB and J, but not, not a PB and J, like maybe it's oat and peanut butter and jelly or like, um, protein or snack bars that are inspired by the flavors of PB and J, but put into a bar or, um, peanut butter bites that, you know, lend themselves to that maybe strawberry peanut butter, but it's in a bite form. So it's easy to eat on the go. Yes. And that really, draws to that innovation, like the on the go, eating it as a bite, like um, kind of pivoting to the consumer of being like, we want people to be eating peanut butter, but we also want people, we want to meet people where they are. And that is that they're on the go and they need something that's very accessible all and on the ready. So that's really cool. Okay. I, I'm glad that you agree with all of the like nostalgic thoughts that I've been having with desserts and like the comfort, the warm comfort blanket of peanut butter. I love that um, phrasing that you gave it too. Um, I'm also very interested like in the sauce category and where you think peanuts come into play with sauces this year. Sure. This has a little bit of overlap with world flavors, you know, from a larger, yeah. um, uh, like umbrella. So if you look at world flavors as a theme, then under that, you know, sauces are a whole category onto their own and peanuts are naturally, um, you know, popular across very different world cuisines from Southeast Asia, think like Thailand, um, to, um, Africa, yeah. think peanut stew to Mexico where Peanuts are a common ingredient in mole sauces. And then um, I, I think you see um, peanuts and sauces in all of these categories, whether it's a Thai-flavored salad dressing or a ginger peanut saute sauce or, like I mentioned, um, like a mole sauce. And then um, salsa matcha has become really, really popular. And peanuts are in a key ingredient in many recipes for salsa matcha. So you see, you know, multiple world cuisines represented. I even saw a Filipino peanut sauce called Care Care, if I'm saying it right. Um, and I've yeah. never, I've never seen that before, but, um, that was one of the products that came up, um, in, in, in the data that, that, that we received. And I was like, wow, I've got to find this. I want to try it. Yes. And I think it's cool because when you travel, the peanut is that connector that like makes you want to try. Like I remember I was in Thailand a few years ago and I was served a papaya salad, which is like a traditional kind of salad that you'll find in Thailand. And it had crushed peanuts on top. And I just thought, okay, wow, there's a familiar part of an ingredient that I like, I'm going to now feel interested in eating this. I think it, it gives that texture. It gives that crunch. It gives the appeal. And uh, the salsa matcha trend too. I just had some recently in Atlanta and it was absolutely fabulous. It adds such a different layer of flavor onto your palate that I hope that that is more widespread this year. 
Yeah, and I, I also love the like um, the story of food entrepreneurs and how they are instrumental in bringing some of these innovative, you know, not ubiquitous but fairly new in their product lifecycle products to market. A few years back, I met this lady at Expo West trade show. I think it was twenty twenty two, so things had opened back up, and her and her husband had a restaurant in San Francisco selling like a taco shop and they had yeah. made salsa matcha that they provided to their customers, you know, to use in the restaurant on their tacos and people loved it so much. They started wanting to buy it. And so they started, they started, you know, wow. packaging it. And then they had retailers who were interested in selling the product. And a couple of years ago, they won one of the top pro- new product awards from the specialty food association. So just that life cycle of, you know, started in a mom and pop's taco shop and ends up in the grocery shelf because people love the product. I I think that's amazing too. And that it's cool that you can be on the ground floor kind of being exposed to these businesses as they evolve and giving the National Peanut Board support on that too. And like helping see that to fruition. Um, another trend off your list and then we'll go into ins and outs. Okay, I think the one that I like the most, not the most, but the one that we haven't talked about that I want to talk about, because I think it's interesting um, when you think about um, a brand. So this one is brand extensions and collaborations. So in my mind, an extension is when you take peanut butter, say like name brand peanut butter, and you use that brand of peanut butter in another product that is not a jar of peanut butter. Yes. So, so like kind okay, of a collab. I'll, I'll yeah, so I'll give you an example, a real okay. example. So earlier this year, Skippy, the makers of peanut butter, Skippy mm-hmm. peanut butter, came out with a product um, called PB Bites. So taking it once, so they're getting peanut butter out of the jar. So they have an opportunity to sell sell you a jar of peanut butter. Now they have an opportunity to sell you a snack. But then they took it a step further and they did a collab with uh, Girl Scouts and they did the coconut caramel of the the you know the popular Girl yes. Scout cookie and. Co- co-branded it and brought it out as a new flavor. So that's a, an example of where brands are coming together. I think another great example of a brand that is just phenomenal at leveraging their loyal customers to introduce new products is Reese's. You know, everybody knows the Reese's peanut butter cup, but you can look across the grocery store. You'll find like animal crackers, ice cream, cereal, mm-hmm you know, different types of seasonal Reese's that all leverage the popularity of chocolate and peanut butter to bring the consumer that familiarity of the Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah. I think that's a really smart branding like strategy for everybody for this year. And I think that's great. And I can't wait to see how that evolves in the space of peanut butter and different brands, because I I mean, even just on a social media space, collaborations are what's getting the most attention. So it's like, I I think that's just applicable in so many different ways. And it's in the tangible way of literally in the grocery store, seeing Reese's in your ice cream and seeing Reese's in your cereal makes you want to buy that Reese's um, affiliation. So that's very, very cool. Um, I also, it made me think about, I don't know if you've seen this in New York at the Reese's mega cup that they're doing. Have you seen that? 
I've seen that. Yes, it's crazy. It's like the size of a pie. <laughs> Way bigger than your head. And you could fill it with whatever you want. You get like these big old ice cream scoops of peanut butter in the middle. You can even fill it with Reese's Pieces and a lot of different candies. It's it's wild. I don't know how many people are like what the serving size is on that. But it's quite a fun thing to watch on um, on TikTok and Reels for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you think about how long peanut butter has been around, like forever, right? Yeah. And the fact that people still just love peanut butter, I wanted to share with you that last year in 23, we had a record high in peanut butter consumption in the United States. Oh, so Americans right. per capita are eating 4.5, 4.4 pounds of peanut butter every year. And that's a record high. Wow. So um, for our peanut farmers who we represent, that's a point of pride, right? That the product that they that they produce on their farms that they grow on their farms is turned into this delicious, affordable thing, peanut mm -hmm. butter or snack peanuts that people love. Right. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think that totally ties in with like kind of the ins and outs for 2024 of you mentioned this in your trend report. I have this at top of my list as well of plant-based and plant-based, obviously a peanut is going to be at the top of the list of that protein packed, um, nutrient packed, um, nut to be eating in your diet. So I think that like, I, I hope that yes, 2023 was like a peak consumption year, but hopefully 2024 just increases even more than last year. I hope to be in the five plus pound, uh, amount for myself in consumption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think plant-based is an interesting topic and, um, I haven't settled out on how I, where I think we're at with it. I'm still thinking about it because I think it's, you know, those of us in food talk about plant-based and we have something in our mind about what that means. But, yeah. you know, what does the consumer think when they hear the term plant-based? You know, does that include sort of this idea of like plant forward, which is, you know, a plate that is mostly um, fruits and vegetables and whole grains and maybe three ounces of protein, animal protein, like beef yeah. or fish or chicken, right? So that's that's plant forward. And then plant-based, you know, is more, um, in my mind, something that is created with plant ingredients that oftentimes tries to mimic like a, an animal protein. Yeah. Um, and then I think of, um, you know, like um, – flexitarian like could encompass anything like vegetarian vegan somebody that's trying to consciously consume less meat but still does consume you know animal protein so yeah. it's just like the wild west of of like <laughs> what does this mean and like how does the consumer make sense of it and um but at the very simplest terms peanuts are a very simple plant-based protein affordable more protein than any other nut and um are really at the core of many world cuisines as we discussed earlier that could mm -hmm. deliver to the consumer you know a plant-based or vegetarian meal you know in a delicious way that's very approachable think of like pad thai noodles you know mm -hmm. how you know the, the crunch of the peanuts the peanut sauce the noodles um think of that african peanut stew or um oh, I love that mole that one, sauce yes. <laughs> yeah I've had that from National Peanut Board, the recipe of the West African peanut stew. That, I, that is on repeat for me this winter. It is so, <laughs> so good. I love it. Um, and I think that's very interesting, the distinctions of plant-based versus plant-forward. It's, 
and flexitarian too. So it's it's interesting to think of where the consumer is coming from and what they're attaching to with those terms and how if that's going to make them influence to purchase. Um, okay, I'll just walk through a couple more because I know you're a busy guy and okay. we got a lot of got a lot Let's to go through, it. but we can we can always have a part two if you're interested. Um, you know, okay. halfway through the year we see what what's really coming to fruition. But something that I've seen all over social in the past year and I'm seeing it translate into a trend for food for this year is like snack boards coming from the place of, you know, previous girl dinner and charcuterie boards. And that's kind of the like past influence going into snack boards. So where do peanuts come into play with that? I mean, peanuts are awesome for a snack board. Let me think of like, let's see if I can come up with five ways you could incorporate peanuts on your snack board, right? So simple, simple, simple in-shell peanuts, you know, the kinds that are in the shell, like you get at a ballpark, you throw some of those on there. Then you get some like delicious um, snack peanuts that have like an interesting flavor, like spicy or sweet and spicy. You throw those on there. So that's number two. Number three, you put a little um, thing of peanut butter on there, right? So you can, you know spread some um, apples through it. You've got a sweet and um, savory little um, hit of flavor there. Number four would be some sort of a peanut candy, maybe chocolate-coated peanuts or um, like little mini Reese's peanut butter cups. Number five is going to really throw you for a loop, but people curious about it can go to our website, nationalpeanutboard.org, and search for the recipe, boiled peanut hummus. Use boiled peanuts to make hummus. I mean, that's next on my list. Yum. Or just Google it. It's a thing. You'll find it out there. Um, some several. I've seen it on several restaurant menus, um, and um, I've, I've tried it several times. And there, there are a few companies working on potentially bringing like a boiled peanut type hummus to market via, you know, the grocery store. So where your other hummus is sold, you would maybe one day find boiled peanut hummus. Fingers crossed. I'm ready for that. Uh, that's really cool. I'm gonna. I thought you would really yeah. like that one, Sky, because of our conversation about boiled peanuts. I just had to Thank throw that you. one in. Yes, there. we we know each other's peanut tastes already. It's great. Okay, two more, and then I let you go. Um, okay. The last few things is a couple months ago, I went to um, Marcus Bar and Grill in Atlanta, Marcus Samuelson's restaurant, and he did like this peanut dinner, and in the trend of non-alcoholic beverages. He did an alcoholic beverage beverage that incorporated peanuts. He did like a peanut butter old fashioned. And so I was wondering, like, could we see peanuts come into the non-alcoholic space? Like, could that, you know, maybe evolve into something that is that mocktail or is that non-alc um, companion that people are looking for? Or do you think that that's a priority for peanuts this year? I hadn't thought about that. You know, this the screwball um, peanut butter whiskey has yep. become very popular. And um, I was at that event too, by the way. I don't remember meeting you. Oh, How did we miss each other? I don't know. <laughs> there were so many people to talk to, but next time we'll make yeah. sure we make that connection. But I, I agree with you that there could be an opportunity there because, you know, non-alcoholic or mocktails are, are trending. And um, certainly if, People who do like to drink alcohol enjoy the peanut butter <laughs> old-fashioned. Why would you not enjoy it in mocktail form? It's not something that we really do a lot of work on, even with the like the the alcoholic um, peanut beverages, um, just because um, we're more more focused on on the food. But um, certainly something for us to think about, Sky. I just thought I'd throw it out there because yeah. I told you I had some weird ones and. 
This other one that I think that I've seen a little bit is um, also strange, but not sure if this is on your radar. I've seen a couple of like food and high-end retail collaborations, like for example, Air One, that really expensive grocery store out of California, which I'm sure you're familiar with, and Balenciaga. They did a collaboration recently. I've also seen like um, Hidden Valley Ranch, and I think it was Crocs did something together. I'm seeing a lot of like you using different brands and leveraging each other to just like have this kind of wow factor of, Oh my gosh, did you see this? Um, and I, I think that would be really cool for peanuts if that's something that's on your radar. That would be awesome. I, we're going to have to keep that on our radar because I've seen some collaborations that are pretty cool with, um, you know, peanut brands yeah. or peanut products, but I have not seen a level of collaboration, you know, with like two different brands like that. Well, I guess the Girl Scouts and the Skippy's kind of like that, but not really the same. It's not, the, it's not like a fashion brand with a food brand, like the examples you gave. So yeah, we should work on that, huh, Sky? Yeah, let's yeah. do something. Hey, I'm it. here for it. We need some boiled peanut swag, and I would wear it every day. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very much here for that. <laughs> okay. Good. Well, you, I, the depth of knowledge that you have about peanuts, it's like I could just go all day asking you every single question under the sun because I'm very interested in peanuts myself. But um, I know that you're a very busy person, but I'm going to leave you on this note. I know that you gave a presentation. I watched this on YouTube recently and it said 23% of people enjoy snacking on peanut butter and pickles. Can you explain this phenomenon to me? And then where this came from? I don't know where it came from. It's just one of these, there's all of these weird like peanut butter or peanut like connections that some people love and just revile other people. And I think the peanut butter pickle is one of those. I have no idea where it came from. Another one is like peanut butter and mayo sandwiches. Like I can't stand mayonnaise just makes me, mm-hmm. but there's like this whole segment of people who just think it is like awesome. I've heard about peanut, people putting peanut butter in their coffee and that oh. just seems strange to me, but it's like a thing. Like Google it or search it. I should. Yeah, I, should I would be definitely more generic, try that. Right? Yeah. No, I, and, I Google it's fine. I, I think Google is appropriate. Yes. <laughs> and um, I've heard of people putting like granulated sugar on their peanut butter sandwich, so no jelly, just like bread, peanut butter, and granulated sugar. Um, I guess it's sweet like honey, so it's not that strange. Maybe they like the crunch. <laughs> Of the sugar. Yeah. A lot less strange than the peanut butter and mayonnaise. And I mean, I think I might have to do an experiment where I try peanut butter and pickles and then peanut butter coffee and then peanut butter and sugar. I don't know if I'll go the peanut butter and mayonnaise route or not. And then I think ones I think are good, peanut butter and like bacon. That's good. Oh, Um, yes. 100% in for that. Peanut butter on a burger is good. It's good. I promise yes. you. Peanut butter in your chili recipe. Put a little, like, two tablespoons of peanut butter, and you won't believe, like, how it, like, pops. Well, that's a pro tip from the CEO and president of the peanut board. Add peanut butter to your chili. Pack that punch. You know, something else. I know you went to Oregon and Auburn, but there is a restaurant in Athens called Clocked, and they're known for their peanut butter bacon. Oh, I'm, I'm getting it. And Sonic has one out right now. It's a limited time offer. So anybody curious, if you have Sonic near you, and if you live in Atlanta, you do, hit them up. Hit up the drive-thru and get, get one of those peanut butter limited time burgers. 
Okay, I'm adding it to my calendar. It's a limited time. I am going to hit up that Sonic drive-thru and try the peanut butter burger. See if it lives up to my clocked expectation of burgers because it's okay. pretty good. We might have to go together. Let's do it. <laughs> well, that'll be quite the field trip. I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to more peanut butter on my burgers, more plant-based and plant-forward foods, nostalgic desserts, all of the things that encompass <laughs> peanut butter on our food trends list for this year. We're going to have to see how it all comes to fruition. Well, let's reconnect later in the year and see how we did on, on our predictions. And thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed um, speaking with you, and um, we had a lot of fun, too. How can it not be fun when peanuts are the center of our conversation? So I agree. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate your time. appreciate you sharing your knowledge of all things peanut, and hope to talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode of Sky's the Limit, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow along in the meantime on Instagram at sky.estroff or sky-estroff.com. See you next week.